Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's still real to me, damn it. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Still Real Dust Show, episode number 678 for February 9th, 2023. This is your NXT Vengeance Day recap and review edition of SRTU. I am one after show. I am Jeff Peck. I still have trouble saying 2023. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the one only Dr. Trey Franklin. Dr. Trey, you don't have trouble saying 2023 yet, my friend. No, I can I can coherently put a sentence together. So, um, you know, and plus in my line of work with scheduling events and everything else like that, I got used to it pretty quickly. So I've, I've been good so far. And, uh, you know, Sammy Franklin keeps me in line, too, because he's hanging out with us today as well. Yeah, and I mean, we don't we don't have a podcast for this yet, but... Uh, here I am. I'm like staring at my screen, and I have something up for my 2022 tax filing. Shout out to everybody who files their taxes. Um, and that's part of the reason, as I'm reading the intro, I like like messed up and was like starting to say 2022. We're doing shout outs to people who don't evade taxes. <laughs> that's what we're doing now. Yeah, if you don't uh, evade taxes and you pay them, shout out to you. If you evade your taxes, run, run, my friend, run. I mean, and usually run to New York because that's usually where the best tax shelter hideouts are, are in New York. So send them up to your neck of, neck of the world. <laughs> so here we are, not talking taxes this week, talking the world of professional wrestling. Um, it's been an interesting and probably the most quiet week, even with coming off of a premium live event, that I think we've had in, geez, Dr. Trey, like eight months. Or excuse me, eight months, eight weeks. Uh, by the way, I love how you preface that because some of the news that came out this week, in any other year, we would have spent the entire hour talking about. But because of what we've gone through the last eight weeks, we're like, this news cycle is kind of slow. And I'm like, wait, a guy had a heart attack and almost died this week. And we're just yeah. like, it's kind of a slow week for us because of just all the sheer chaos and drama that's happened the last eight weeks. You're, you're talking about Jerry Lawler's stroke, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't even have that down on the rundown for this week's edition of the show. Um, I think more importantly when it comes to the stroke and, and the health concerns of, of Jerry Lawler, I think we just send positive vibes and, and thoughts and prayers with him right now. I mean, that's that's how I feel. I guess there's been some good positive, uh, positive feedback from Jim Ross and Dutch Mantel. But yeah, I, I'm just sending some good vibes over Jerry Lawler's way right now. Yeah. I mean, that guy yeah. is is strong as hell. Yeah, and and you know, considering like you know, did we were we on the air when we cut when he had his first heart attack on air? Oh yeah, that was uh, September 2012, I think. I mean, yeah, so like I don't think I had taken over at that point. It was it. You Eric think at you that were, point? I think that was post. So he was still feuding with Cole. So that was like post WrestleMania 27. You became a full contributor around WrestleMania 28. So yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. maybe that was 2011. So, then September 2011. Yeah, so like I mean, I mean, and I'm pretty sure you guys spent a large. I mean, also it's public because it's right there on TV. So, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, yo, you look, you move forward 11 years, and with the COVID era, then everything that's happened with you know everything's been going on. We're like, yeah, Jerry Lawler had a heart attack like right after. You know, uh, uh, you know this this weekend, and then you know we're like, yeah, 
props and, and well wishes, and we hope you. And I talked to Dave Milliken the other day, and Dave said he was, you know, doing really well. And Dave and Jerry Lawler are very close as well. So now, was uh, it a heart attack or a stroke or stroke. both? Yeah, stroke. Okay. Okay. Stroke, from everything they said, it was a stroke. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so. <clears throat> he's he's getting some feeling back, and like he had some partial paralysis on his yeah. right side, some speech stuff, but it seems to be improving. He looks like he's gonna have a full recovery, but you know what? I, I started binging Tales from the Territories the other day, and I watched the mids, the one with him and Andy Kaufman, and then the next day, this all comes up. Yeah, he is. He's a an, an amazing human being. Like I, I remember they just recently again brought up, obviously with everything going on, the story from when he had the heart attack on Raw, and he was clinically dead for a half an hour. Dr. Trey, clinically yeah. dead for thirty minutes. Like that's, that's, that's more than. Um, who is the football player? His name is escaping right now from Buffalo. Damar oh, Hamlin. Damar Hamlin, yeah. Damar Hamlin was, I don't think I've ever heard he was clinically dead. I'm sure there was a period of time that he was. Um, but 30 freaking minutes? And and to come back with no like real brain issues. Like Usually if you're gone that long, they bring you back. Like You have issues with you know speech and memory and like, no, Jerry Lawler still remembers all the crazy old dad jokes that we know and love. Like he still spouts them out every single week. So uh, I'm sure he'll be fully recovered here over the next two weeks and be popping off with uh, you know puppy jokes and dad jokes here before long again. So like, what's even weird about that whole situation is that WWE had a camera crew following him when that took all took place. <laughs> like, there's the video of him being stretchered out of the arena, and then there is actual video of the medical crew telling everybody to clear his body and with the AED on him and shocking him. And there's video of that that has been showcased. I'm yeah. like, can you imagine being that cameraman, camera girl, whatever, back then? And, like, your one sole job is to follow Jerry Lawler as he fights for his life. Like, if he passed away, they're not using that footage. But it's like... Who, make, who makes that call? Is that a Vince or is that a Kevin Dunn? It's got to be. It's got to be. It's got to be a Kevin Dunn. Yeah. Well, the thing they said about Vince, and, and I know that there's a lot of negative Vince stories out there, but the thing about Vince, according to reports, was Vince got up from his spot and was with Jerry Lawler the entire time, got in the ambulance is what, I'm, what I've been told, or yeah. at least followed the ambulance. That I remember going back, talking about it, that Vince gave up running Raw that night and went to go be with Jerry Lawler. And you've heard that multiple times yeah. that he's done that with other wrestlers. I believe uh, Undertaker at WrestleMania 30, when he was messed up after the match with Lesnar, uh, Vince left Mania to go tend to the well, Undertaker. He went to the hospital for Owen. Yeah. You know, with yeah. Hardest Fall. He followed the ambulance. He went to the, the hospital for Owen as well. So, like... No, Vince is one of those guys. Like, like we 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 crack on Vince. Everybody knows I do the Vince you know voice as well. But you know he's loyal to his guys, and if one of his guys is hurt, he's going to go follow his guy and take you know do whatever he can to take care of his guys. So he's 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 one of those bosses. He's almost like like a, a, a abusive spouse in a sense. It's like he'll beat you up, but then he shows you that he loves you, and so you stick around forever. Yeah, yeah, so. there you go. That's a weird relationship. <laughs> Um, keeping with WWE, Dr. Trey, something that we did have on the rundown this week for this week's edition of SRTU. So I'm watching the promo on Monday night with Cody Rhodes. I'm watching the interaction with him and Paul Heyman, which was just stupendous. Great way to start slowly building towards what we would believe to be the eventual WrestleMania 39 main event between he and Roman Reigns. Um, and I'm just seeing the crowd in WWE just eating up everything that is Cody Rhodes right now. Like, he is getting massive baby face reactions. Granted, he's only been back for a little over two weeks. Everybody's loving it. The kids are loving it. The teenagers are loving it. The adults are loving it. Everybody's loving Cody Rhodes right now. And then I think back to a year ago at this time, and him in AEW, while being pegged to be one of the biggest baby faces, was getting some of the largest heel reactions we've seen throughout the entire company. It's like Sammy Guevara-esque. What the hell is the difference on on this one now? Because it's like, why does the WWE crowd love Cody Rhodes while the AEW crowd was turning on him? Because nothing has changed with Cody. Is it, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder in this? Is it his presentation different in WWE than the one in AEW? Like, what do you think it is? Because you and I have both been fans of Cody Rhodes. I didn't dislike him during the AEW run, but I was starting to feel like, okay, maybe now's the time to do a heel turn. 
I like him in WWE. I, I think he's like your famous white meat baby face right now. Um, I don't, I feel as a fan, I haven't changed at all. So what do you think the difference is between the two crowds? One year later, the AW crowd that hated Cody versus the WWE crowd that currently loves Cody. So for me, I, I really think it's the crowd. Like I think, you know, people like you and me, we're not, um, uh, we're, we like the bad guys, but we're not full. We're not fickle. Field. Yeah. We're not Brian. Um, uh, <laughs> But, you know, the, your crowd at a WWE show is more, you know, they're WWE fans, but they're also more, I don't say conservative fans, but they're also more of the middle of the road fans. Like, they love the environment of WWE. They love the presentation where AEW is still, I don't want to say it's more niche than WWE, but it is a little more of those hardcore, diehard wrestling fans that, you know, you know, maybe grew up on just ECW or they, they always, they, they want to hate the big companies and always go for the underground stuff. Like, I don't know. I just feel like your AEW, your diehard AEW fans are a little bit more angry. <laughs> so we want our bad guys to be bad guys. We want our good guys to kind of be bad guys. Also, we just want the world to burn, you know, where WWE fans are a little bit more, uh, you know, Hey, I love the pride. We're having a good time. The kids are happy. So, Cody comes across when you're a white meat baby face, those guys tend to do better on a WD product where AEW were like, well, like, yeah, I get that you're a good guy, but you got to have a dark side too. Like, I'm pretty sure that this crowd at some point in the near future will be the people that are calling for Cody Rose to turn heel and start a new NWO like we did with John Cena for years. Like, it's going to happen at some point because he's going to get so shoved down our throats Mm -hmm. that we're going to grow sick of him. And I think that's the advantage of the injury was he never fully got shoved down our throat over the last year because he had that, you know, six month break in the middle. But I mean, if you see the amount of production and the amount of like, he's on everything, he's getting featured on everything. Like it's a little bit of the John Cena push where at some point here before long, I think the fans will kind of turn on him if he doesn't give us a little more edge to his product. Are you surprised that the WWE fan base welcomed him back with open arms, even dating back to WrestleMania, right, when he first came back? It was a shock that he, one, came to WWE after everything that he said while he was in AEW, helped start AEW, was one of the EVPs. Like, that was a shock. But he did a lot of things that, quote, you know, WWE fans hated because he poked fun at the product that they love. And now here he is being welcomed back as this massive potential face of the company. Should Roman be going away after WrestleMania 39, it's potentially could be Cody's ball that he ran with it. It seems very hypocritical that the WWE fan base would be okay with Cody Rhodes being the face of the company. And then further to that, you know, we talked about on last week's show. Do you think there's a chance to run off the ride that was the Royal rumble and make Sami Zayn, pull a Kofi Kingston, pull a Becky Lynch, pull a Daniel Bryan, and become that new opponent at WrestleMania for Roman Reigns. And even despite all that, the fans still aren't turning on Cody where they're like, we don't want you, we want Sammy. That hasn't happened only one weekend. Like, are you surprised by this all, but but the way that he was welcomed back into the WWE fan base? Not really, because you look at people who have left wrestling and said, for one thing, Cody never poked fun at the WWE fans. He never went after the fans themselves. He might have gone after Vince, which is fine. He's, he took won. a he took a, a mallet to the throne, right? Yes. But at the time, Triple H was revered for NXT, but not to the level where he's at now, where everybody loves the product and they're super happy with everything. Um, he, he took shots at his bosses. And we've learned in the history of wrestling and then just being adults in the workforce it's okay if you take shots at your bosses. Other people kind of appreciate that. Um, and then also, like, wrestling fans, WWE fans in general, are also always kind of very forgiving when guys leave and come back. You know, Goldberg left and bashed wrestling for a long time. And then when he came back, he got a huge pop. And then, you know, Punk went away and bashed wrestling for a while. And when he came back to the stuff, doing the, the f- stuff on Fox... Fans were happy to see him. And then you obviously you saw what happened when he went to AEW and the fans popped for that. Like we're a very forgiving group. Like we love our guy, our, our returning heroes. Now, how long we 
that honeymoon phase lasts. <laughs> it's kind of different for different guys. And I, I just think right now, like, plus you factor in the Dusty Rhodes thing. Like, there's not a person in WWE that's a fan of WWE. I don't know anybody who goes, you know who I hate? I hate Dusty Rhodes. Like, everybody loves Dusty. Like, he's in that, you know, iconic cloud of, like, you just can't touch him. And so when Cody comes back and he basically lets everybody know he's doing this for his dad and for Dusty, it's kind of hard to get a negative response from that because they're like, yeah, we like you, but we love Dusty. So, yeah, this makes a ton of sense. We're on board for the ride. Yeah, it's just um, <clears throat> it just feels strange, right? I mean, do you think he's – the more I see him on television this short period of time, the more I see him, I'm like, man, this guy could be the face of the company for the next 10 years. Like, are you seeing that right now? Like, he's – He's John Cena-ish with the way that he has interactions with the fan base. Yeah. My only issue with Cody, and it's been my issue with Cody since he kind of came back into a main event level status, which is when he's a babyface, how genuine do you feel when he cuts a promo? And there are times where you're like, man, this is from the heart. And there are other times you're like, this is a car salesman. Like, it's just there's that those lines at times where they get kind of blurred where I'm like, man, this feels like you're just – generating a promo versus actually feeling a promo like monday night you felt that like that was kind of legit and the 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 props to paul Heyman and everything else like that kind of felt like from the heart and other times he's kind of like yeah it's kind of like he's reading from you know the john cena school of promos circa you know 2006 where they kind of felt hokey and disingenuous at times and i think that's where people will split is whether or not they buy into what he's selling or what he's not or you know, if they feel like it's from the heart. So what do you think? What What is your time frame here? You think eventually WWE fan base will be turning on him. When do you think that happens? Is this a 2023 event? SummerSlam. Yeah. SummerSlam 2023. Like, they're along for the ride. He'll Like, everybody loves a good chase. You know, and you and, and we talked about this on last week's show. We talked about, like, is there enough time to build up Cody between now and WrestleMania where we feel like Cody and Roman's a big-time <laughs> fight? Obviously, you can see from Monday, yeah, they can shotgun this thing really quickly and, and turn it up. But once somebody wins and gets the conquer, you know, takes down the villain and they win the prize and they win the or they rescue the prince, whatever it is, whether it's wrestling or sports or, you know, entertainment, once the conquering hero wins, if you don't have a great adversary lined up for the follow through, People are going to turn on you. And we've seen that with John Cena over the years. We've seen it with Roman Reigns over the years. You know, to a degree, I don't say we got with The Rock, but The Rock was always one of those like polarizing walk the line awesome is that way. But we saw with Hogan, white meat baby faces, eventually the crowd starts to turn because it feels like the cool thing to do to boo the good guy. Yeah. It's just, um, it's just strange. I just thought that on Monday night watching. I'm like, man, they love him. And it's oh. like a year ago, he was disdained. See, I don't know. Like, here's the thing. I don't know if he was disdained a year ago. Like he was. He was. Like, he was AW Cena. Yeah, he. And that's I exactly really think he was. Like, and but I don't. Even the John Cena stuff back in the day, and this might this might be a show like a whole other show at some point. Was was it true hate for Cena, or was it just the way he was presented and the audience disliked it? Like, oh, I don't, think, I don't think fans legitimately hated Cena. I think it's exactly yeah. what you're saying, the way he was presented. And I think the way that Cody was presented was really, really bad. Because remember when AEW started, he was, like, the guy. People yeah. loved him. Um, he I, was I, the hero. And one of the things when that show first started, when when he took himself out of the title picture. Yeah, that was a mistake. I am, that was a big mistake because yeah. the crowds were like, great, what, what are you going to do that's going to get us excited for you as a babyface? Like... He would have, if he had switched and flipped to the heel side, he would have been everything they needed him to be because you could have built all your baby faces off Cody. And if you had a Cody MJF Perry, you know. He also had he had some of the best stuff that I think I've seen in AEW. I loved his open challenge for TNT as a TNT champion. Um, and then I think he had some of the worst stuff that that feud with Anthony Ogogo going to double or nothing is some of the worst stuff that they've done in AEW's oh, yeah. history. I mean, they. I mean, AEW. They they tried to build up certain people, and, and Cody was their guy. Cody was, became kind of their gatekeeper. Like, hey, you're coming here. You gotta go through Cody. And so, whether it was a top name talent or a guy they were bringing in to hopefully build up, Cody had to deal with it. And so, like when you're watching Cody Rhodes and Anthony Agogo, 
uh, in a match and you're a fan, you're like, I can't buy into that guy being credible against Cody and Cody's carrying a match and you can see it and then you can feel it that he's struggling. And I think that's why people start to turn on because they're just like, yeah, you're one of the bosses. That's why you have to do this stuff. And look, nobody, like I said, nobody likes their bosses. And if you're, if you're just like the Shane McMahon stuff, people love Shane, but people also love to hate Shane, Jeff Peck. Mm. Uh, I don't like him in WrestleMania matches with like really athletic superstars. Yeah, and I don't like seeing Cody Rhodes. It's the same thing I said with CM Punk. I got, there are certain guys that I didn't feel were on their level, so why should I care about this match? And even though you're going to make them try to look competitive, you're still going to win. You're still going to you know go over or whatever you want to call it. And I just feel like I waste time. And you know I'm, I was critical of Cody in AW. Like there were many matches. Like I'm like, why is Cody bleeding for no apparent reason? You know, like why did he just run headfirst into a wall to cut himself open? You know, like, you didn't have to do that stuff, but he was, it was one of things, like, when you feel like somebody's trying too hard to make you like them, that, to me, was Cody in AEW, where right now, I think he's in that honeymoon phase where the fans are like, oh, he's doing it for his dad, everything's good, we're on board for the ride, but at some point, Cody just has to feel natural, and I don't know if Cody's ever looked or felt natural on a microphone on TV where people go, I can relate to that guy. Switching gears here. To AEW, Dr. Trey. Speaking of everything that is all elite wrestling, we've not talked about them a lot lately, but there were some things that took place on last night's edition of Dynamite that I do want to talk about. Um, One being the AEW World Champion, Maxwell Jacob Freeman, who I think we would agree is is one of our favorite young stars to watch on television today. Big fans of his. His match with Konosuke Takeshka was very good. Um, very happy that this Iron Man match is now official for Revolution. I fully expect that MJF will have a potential, not a potential, will have a breakout performance in this match for his in-ring work. Um, I hope people don't discredit Brian Danielson as the reason why he is a good match. I think MJF, you know, first started as a great promo guy and now has become a very good in-ring worker as well. Um, underrated at times because of how good he is on the microphone. So I just want to preface it with that. With that said, the promo he cut on Wednesday night's Dynamite, did you see it, Dr. Trey? Yes, I did. Okay. I thought it was some of the most cringeworthy and um, unnecessary promo work that I've ever seen MJF do. And I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to mold himself as a scumbag. And I think when you are doing what we believe to be, I guess there's always a shred of it potentially being real, but I highly doubt it based on the legalities of something that is fictional to make your point. I don't think you need to go to extremes that are one unbelievable and not in a way of like, man, this is unbelievable. What he's saying. It's just not believable at all Two. Two weeks removed from a wrestler that was under an AWROH contract, three weeks, whatever you want to say, um, died in a car accident. Uh, I don't think you need to go in that direction. And three, there's other ways to get heat than the one that MJF did. 9.9 times out of 10, MJF, when he cuts a promo, hits it out of the park. But I felt like he went for some really weird, low-hanging fruit went into a direction that was strange and cut a promo that just wasn't believable. And I didn't know why he did it. I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm offended here by the content. It just seems like a very weird direction. What did you think of the promo MJF from MJF on Wednesday night, Dr. Trey? Because it does have some people talking and I feel like everything that I'm seeing right now is not one of, of positivity because while the content and all that stuff that, that he was using is, is what it is, I would also say that it just was not a good promo. Where did you stand, or where do you stand, I should say, on this, uh, quote, scumbag promo from MJF on Wednesday's Dynamite? So I didn't hate it because, like, when I'm watching wrestling, I kind of, I'm able to kind of partition my mind. Like I didn't even think of the Jay Briscoe stuff when he cut that promo because in my head, I can almost like partition wrestling off as its own entity separate from the real world. Um, 
you also, for me, like when I'm watching it, I'm like, I feel like this is a Vince Russo promo. <laughs> and once again, where did MJF grow up? He grew up on Long Island. And that's the home of Vince Russo and the home of Howard Stern and the shock jock revolution. And a lot of the stuff he was saying, you and I grew up on Howard Stern, right? You and I both loved Howard Stern growing up. It was a very Howard Stern show-esque type promo. Um, so I didn't hate it for some of the reasons everybody else is bringing it up. I just didn't think it was as good as what he could have. I mean, there's other ways to kind of present that promo. But then for me, like, you know, he brings in the blue Camaro and then there, sure enough, is on his social media picture of him with a blue Camaro from when he was a kid. And then, you know, throwing in the name Liv. Okay, first of all, in my entire life, <laughs> excuse me, I have, only, I have literally never met a person named Liv. And the only people I ever heard of was Liv Morgan and Liv Tyler. Like, I've never met a girl named Liv. Um, you're from the Northeast. I don't know if you've ever met a girl named Liv, but the girl that I have, yeah, yeah, I have. But it's it's not a very common name. And in the wrestling world, you throw the name Liv, you're like, oh, Liv Morgan. Like, immediately your brain clicks that way. So I thought it was unnecessary. Like, there are ways of presenting yourself as a dirtbag without going to that level. But it wasn't as bad as people play are making out to be, but it just was unnecessary. Cause look, there are so many different ways to present yourself as a scumbag, but yeah, the, know, he, I, I, it just wasn't I, a good promo. Yeah. It's, it's it it just, yeah. Like it's not believable because he implicated himself on a, on a, <laughs> on a crime, right? You know, in, in the wrestling world, but then again, like we've seen wrestling worlds where we're like, Hey, I can have you arrested or you come have a match with me. Yeah. I hate to go down this, like, <laughs> but the way that things have be have, happen now creatively with the content it is always pretty believable it's not hokey and all that stuff and he implicates himself on a crime on national television he goes in a in a in a very weird way of presenting the 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 drawing of him being a scumbag i just felt like that they could have done so many other things and 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 i feel like he goes to the well a lot on his childhood. And I get that that resonates with people because he was, well, you know, in some promos he was bullied as a child. Right. And then he's cutting promos when he's, so when he's like a quasi baby face, quasi heel, he cuts promos that he was bullied as a kid. Then when he's a full fledged heel, he cuts promos um, that he was a popular kid. It's a lot of stuff about his adolescence, his childhood growing up, that we hear from time and time and time again, and he always goes to the well for that. And I think when you look at the character development of MJF, that appears to be a little bit of a flaw. Like, I did not like the content that he presented to become a scumbag. I think there could have been a world of other examples that he could have come up on his own, creative could have helped him come up on his own, whatever. They did not have to go that very strange direction that they did. And, and I bring up the Jay Briscoe stuff. I don't like to, but it's out there, right? He, yeah. Terrible car accident. I yeah. just thought the promo was bad. I just thought the promo was bad. Yeah. And unnecessary. So the funny part was that the first, when you first start talking about the car accident, the only thing I could think of was that, uh, that Pearl Jam song, uh, like where, where can my baby be? Like, it's just, it's just, it's all about a car accident. And I was like, this is so, that's a weird like, if you want to be a scumbag, I mean, take the easy route. Like, you go after Brian's family. You know, like, you know, the simple, easy stuff of being a heel. Like, you know, mm-hmm. hey, by the yeah. way, your wife's still looking pretty good. I know. Look, I'd be a great stepdad when she leaves you for me. Like, you can go down that route, and it's kind of fair game because it's in the wrestling world. But, yeah, like, admitting to a crime. Like, the only way they follow up with this is if really, like, if Danielson has, like, the New York State Troopers show up next week. <laughs> You know, to start investigating yeah. him. Like, he ends up in a locked room with, like, a light in his face. I swear to God, Tony Khan, if you steal this next week, I know you stole it. This hasn't been out there anywhere else. Yeah, um, we, did you ever, um, what was it? Was it um, was it South Park? Are you a South Park fan, Dr. Trey? Yeah. yeah. Do you remember when they were making fun of Family Guy and that the way that yeah. they come up with topics is, like, a dolphins with the, the, yes. the balls in the pool? By the way, I'm glad you know that reference because I reference that a lot, and people are like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Oh my god, seriously! Like you don't know that?" It's a great reference. <laughs> that, by the way. But that's what I felt like that promo was. It was like, "How can I be showcased as a piece of shit?" You yeah. know, he's like, 
rant, he's saying things that are unnecessary to the promo, right? I get his his character and his demeanor. He doesn't need to mention that you know he was getting uh, head from this girl, right? Yeah. It's just yeah. It's a bizarre a bizarre thing, especially for a guy who cuts amazing promos. I just thought that that was very uncreative. And I maybe maybe he's getting too much like too much of a crutch lately about the childhood stuff because I think I'm I'm right about the fact that when like again the quasi babyface heel he was bullied right so that people could relate to that when he's a yeah. heel he was uh, a popular guy and was a piece of shit and and all that crap so the people are like I hate this guy it just seems corny to me it just comes off as corny. So I feel it, like in that promo, it was a lot of that Dolphins going for the uh, the balls in the pool. Yeah, like it, it's almost like sometimes it's almost like Mad Libs. If you want to get yes. like, like throw in a verb, throw in a noun, throw in an action scene, and we'll make that into a promo. You're watching, you're yeah. like, all right. And it, a lot of this is where, you know, WWE used to get a lot of flag for scripting out promos, but at least having somebody to like, hey, so what are you going to talk about? Like have that sounding board and it, it it felt like he called Vince Russo and said hey I'm thinking about saying this and he was like yeah that's fucking fantastic run with that kid you know it just it just felt like it was unnecessary it was over the top like you could you could have done the same thing and said you know I'm the kind of guy that would frame my prom date for drunk driving even though it was me like you could say things yeah, and not yeah, get into the detail and just you know, point. you can frame it in different ways and still get the same results without having to take people down this weird road that, you know. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus like there's there's good uncomfortable and there's bad uncomfortable and it did feel like that was like a bad uncomfortable place uh during that and, and the crazy thing is i'm sitting here like as we talk about mjf and this this iron man match and i'm like he's gone from being the Miz to now approaching Piper territory where Piper was a great in-ring worker and could cut outstanding promos where Miz is a good wrestler but you know cuts amazing promos like he was stepping up and then you get this promo and you're like okay this is the clunker this goes into the Roman Reigns suffering succotash realm of really bad promos that we're going to try to forget about but then every now and then when somebody else screws up we'll reference 10 years from now yeah it just seems strange very very strange um Keeping with AEW, Dr. Trey, at the end of the night, talking about Strange, um, we have new AEW Tag Team Champions in Colton and Austin, the Guns, a.k.a. the Ass Boys. They defeated the Acclaim by cheating to become the new AEW Tag Team Champions. Uh, I think a lot of people thought that Billy Gunn would be turning on the Acclaimed. I still think that that's a, a distinct possibility of happening relatively soon and that they're trying to swerve us a little bit. Um, I watched the match. I thought the match was all right. I felt like there were some timing issues that was going on there. It seemed that the ending of Dynamite dragged on and on and on. Maybe they ended the match a little too soon. Um, it didn't flow that well. I've enjoyed the development of Austin and Colton Gunn over the last couple months, but I don't think I would execute a tag team title run now for them because I would have liked to see some more victories. Um you know, kind of how that they've built up top flight by defeating the Young Bucks. I know the Guns got a victory over FTR, but that's kind of in our rear view now because I think that was back in December when that match took place. I would have liked to seen more of a build for the Guns to reach this pinnacle, and that just didn't happen. Their, their relationship with the firm is murky. I don't even know if it is a thing anymore 
which has always been an issue that I've had with AW Creative, is one minute they're in a group, the next minute they're not with no reason whatsoever. Uh, I like the upside on them as a team. I think that they could be a very good tag team that gets a lot of heat given the way that their characters are being built currently. However, I thought that the execution was a little bit too soon here. What are your thoughts on the new AW Tag Team Champions, the Guns, Dr. Trey, and what did you think of the match with the Acclaim last night? So I, I, I really like Austin and Colton. I think they have a ton of potential, like growing up in the business, having the kind of dad. they like. Those guys are going to be huge stars. I just think it's too early. Like I don't think they've built up credibility uh, to be in this position because if you ask an AEW fan, like who are, your, who are the top five tag teams in AEW? I don't think the guns get mentioned in the top five, but yet they're your tag team champions right now. So like the swerve with the acclaim losing the belts to Austin and Colton and Billy not being involved. By the way, I love that you mentioned they cheated because um, that's what bad guys were supposed to do. So that part I actually liked, but I just, and, and I think when you're booking, when you're still a young promotion and you're st- still trying to build up your roster, like you can't put the belts on somebody that aren't in that top five conversation for the spot. I mean, I mean, it would literally like being like if Jungle Boy won the world title tomorrow. You yeah, know, you'd be like, hey, that's true. like I love Jungle Boy, but is he a world heavyweight champion over Moxley, Hangman, Kenny, Jericho, Gavar, like any of the guys we spent the last three years building up? Like, I don't think Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, you put into your maybe your top ten as an AEW world champion, and that's kind of how I feel like the Guns. Like they just don't have the credibility built up to be in a big spot, and really. I kind of thought that about the acclaimed as well. Like, I, I just I didn't have them really in my top five when they won the belts, but they're a great act, and the fans are really bought, you know, into it. I just don't know, even with the gun, I don't know if they have the heat clout to be tag team champions. So it's an odd decision to make. Um, but hey, maybe this is uh, Billy's reward for not being able to go to attend the DX reunion. I don't know. Yeah, it was it was I I think you said it you hit it on the head. I think the timing is off, right? And you know when it's time to put a championship on someone and I think yeah. the acclaimed is a great example of that. Coming out of the match at all out, you watch that match you're like this needs to happen right now. They need to put the titles on the acclaimed defeats were in our glory. It didn't happen that night. You're like, okay, they're saving it for 2 weeks later for Queens New York at the uh, Grand Slam. They pulled the trigger there and it was the right call. I don't think it's the right call right now for the guns. I would have liked to have seen some more victories for them. And if you had asked me six months ago which, quote, homegrown AW tag team would be a tag team champion first outside of the acclaimed, top flight or the guns, I would say top, top flight every day and twice on Sunday. Um, yeah, I, I it's shocking. Flight, it's very shocking. Top, top flight's issue was the injury to very Dante. True. Yeah, That's a fantastic um, point. But, you know, once again, like, even now, you're sitting here going, okay, the Guns are your AEW Tag Team Champions. Which tag team, on paper, would you go the Guns are a favorite over in AEW? Like, you'd have to get down to the wingmen? Like, how far down that list do you go before you went, "Ah, I think the Guns could take them straight up? Like, they're really down the list because they just never got TV time other than Dark and Elevation, which nobody watches. Um... They just, I mean, they had the one random win over FTR, and that was really not even them beating FTR. It was FTR basically kind of losing that match. Like, they just haven't been presented as credible top guys, you know, to use an FTR term. And to now put the belts on them, you're like, dude, I'd take, like, Death Triangle over them in a tag team match, you know. Like, how far down that list? I mean, do you take Private Party over the guns in a straight-up match? Like, Private Party's had more success in AEW than the guns have, but yet, you know, they're over here having six-man tags with Matt Hardy dealing with Ethan Page. Like, it's just way down that list before I get to the guns as being, like, those guys are my tag champs. Now, in a year or two, absolutely. But it just felt like an awkward, weird time to pull the trigger on it. The vibe is is that Billy Gunn turns on the acclaim, right? That's the vibe. Yeah, but then why? Why? Like why? Like at yeah. this point, like why do you do it? Like, are you going to try and say that he was swerving, you know, the acclaimed all this time to set this up? Like, is this that, you know, Christian Cage year long slow burn to turn on Jungle Boy? <laughs> like, where? Like, 
how like some things are cool like when you do a slow burn, but like literally he's been making a ton of money with Scissor Me Daddy shirts. Like if you go, oh, I did it for the money, dude. You were the top merchandise guy in AEW for the last six months. It's not about the money at this point. It's just it's a weird thing to pull the trigger on. So let me say that I I because for fans out there that listen to the show that think that we beat on AEW. Um, I will say that I think the creative in AW the last coming out of full gear has been a hell of a lot better. Um, last six weeks. Six last weeks, six yeah. weeks. I, I mean, I've really enjoyed the MJF Brian Danielson build for one outside of the promo we just talked about, obviously. The build for Konosuke Takeshka has been a ton of fun. I've really enjoyed that. Um, I would say that I've really enjoyed the build for the guns so far as a tag team, but felt like the tag team championship win, obviously was a bit too soon. Uh, I've really enjoyed Top Flight, AR Fox. I feel like that's been good. There's been some good stuff going on with the firm and Hook right now as well. But I think this is a trend, Dr. Trey, where uh, with this creative, I just I don't know what to think of it. I feel like they're just not listening <laughs> to the fan base. Like I know you want to get the guns heat, but the guns probably have some of the most heat out of any of the tag teams and you, they don't have the championships on them. Like I would have loved to seen almost like how edge and Christian were back in 99 and 2000 when they were being built up in WWE. I always felt like every time there was a TLC match that Dudley boys or Hardys were going to win. I always felt like edge and Christian were the third best tag team in a match with the Hardys and the Dudley boys. And they always came out on top. And I felt like that the guns could have been, this generations of Edge and Christian, where you're, they're not fully believable as guys that can get the victory and, and hold true as tag team champions, but they're pretty good. They do some very smart things as heels, and they somehow come out with the victory. Like they could have gone down that road, but in February 2023, it's probably not the right time to do it. Maybe if this continued forward, you're looking at like double or nothing for execution. I just felt like it was a very quick, I guess for lack of better ter- uh, terms here, I just feel like they pulled the trigger a little too quickly. Yeah, but so you mentioned stuff. I, I, I actually am really enjoying the Ricky Starks, Chris Jericho stuff as well. Yeah, that's true. Very good and then all the, the underlying stuff with Guevara and Garcia, like all that stuff. I'm not a, still not a huge Action Andretti fan because I think a lot of it is a name, but... Well, there's a point of creative, if I just pause you real fast, of like, what happened there? There's no, there's been real no follow-up from that. Yeah. But AEW kind of feels like, and I don't know if you went through this, but I've, I've, like, I played the wing, like, I had a lot of really good-looking friends, like, guy friends growing up, and I was always the good wingman. And you set your guy friend up where you're like, man, that's the best girl. All you got to, it's super easy. All you got to do is just say the right thing at the right time. And then they start talking, and you're like, oh, my, you just watch the train wreck happen. It's like, no, I'm putting you in a spot to succeed, and then you're just kind of blowing it because you're not saying or doing the right things. And I kind of feel like that sometimes with AEW booking, we're like, oh, this is going the right direction. It's going the right path. Ooh, why did you say that, or why did you do that? Because now it's just ugly and awkward and weird, and I kind of feel like that with some of their booking they do. Like, it's just, like, the guns, like, the Edge and Christian comparison is great. Like, I... I've been comparing them to Pretty Deadly. Like, if I, you know, when I talk to people, like I love yeah. Pretty Deadly, and the guns were in that same class. And it's like, but you watch the execution of how Pretty Deadly gets booked and how they get put together, and, and it's like, all right, yeah, they're kind of the same thing. Like in a straight up match against Gallows, you're like, you're not taking Pretty Deadly in a fight, but they're gonna figure out a way to kind of outsmart the good guys or outsmart the bigger guys and get the win. It just felt like with this whole thing with the guns and the acclaim, just like, wow, the acclaim's still pretty damn hot, even though they really haven't had any rivalries, you know, since they won the titles. But, you know, it's just it just felt like it was too soon to pull the trigger. Now, once again, if the guns lose that match and you build it to double or nothing, and then you do the swerve with Billy Gunn and the guns, and they beat the acclaim to double or nothing, you get in, you get even more heat. And now the baby faces are even more sympathetic as they chase down the heel tandem with their dad. Like that makes more sense. And it's like, sometimes I feel like they book stuff just so that they can be contrary to typical wrestling booking angles that are tried and true over time. Yeah. I really love the comparison there about pretty deadly because I've been watching them lately. And I feel like naturally, 
even as heels, they've become bigger stars and really enjoyable to watch on television. I think that was a spot-on comparison of you're watching a tag team grow. They're winning you over no matter if they're a babyface or heel, and you could see right now putting the championship on them. Like that, I thought that was a very, very good comparison there, Dr. Trey. Well, thank you. I, I kind of know what I'm talking about at times. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, please dislocate your arm and pat yourself on the back. But I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very horrowitzing myself right now, Jeff. Good man, good man. So it's it's like, what do we do now? Like, what do you think here? Do you think, I mean, should we as fans just push all those feelings aside and just see what are the guns go from here? Because obviously they have an opportunity to be a pretty good tag team, even as well with the championship around their waist now. And see, to me, I still feel like you need either that Matt, like either Stokely needs to be with them or Billy. Needs. So I think yeah. what you do is you come back and make this a very short title run, put the belts right back on the acclaim, build it up to your next big pay-per-view events. And then that's when you do the switch where you put Billy with them or you reunite the firm or bring the firm. I don't know what the hell that is. Um, you know, then you do the big, the big swerve angle because usually if you're, a heel tandem and you don't have the credibility, you need that mouthpiece, you need that manager, you need somebody out there to kind of help you cheat and always have the upper advantage until you get to a point where, you know, your credibility is kind of built in. Um, but once again, like doing this now, what's the payoff? Like you have to get to a payoff spot and, you know, having the acclaim chase them down with Billy in their corner doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, so that's what I said, like do a quick title change, flip it back here in a couple of weeks. It doesn't have to be next week, just in a couple of weeks as you get set for double or nothing. And then do the re do the trifecta, the trilogy at double or nothing. And then that's when Billy turns on the gun or excuse me, turns on the acclaimed and joins the guns. And then you can have the acclaimed or anybody else chase them as daddy's protecting his little boys. Yeah, it's, it has a ton of potential. I mean, I guess we'll just kind of wait and see it grow here, Dr. Trey, and, and kind of hope for the best right now with the storyline. But I just felt like it was a little too early for the guns to have the tag team championship. It just doesn't feel perfect quite yet. But sometimes that happens in wrestling. It's AEW. Yep, we love it and we hate it. Yeah. So Dr. Trey mentioned an NXT tag team that's on the rise and pretty deadly, and that gets us to our final topic here on this week's edition of SRTU. That is NXT Vengeance Day recap and review. We uh, preview and predicted on last week's edition show. We will recap it right now for you. It was this Saturday from the Spectrum Center, this past Saturday from the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. First match here, Dr. Trey, Wesley defeated Dijak to retain the NXT North American Championship. We both had Dijak entering their victory. Uh, solid match to open the show. I've had a tough time getting used to Wesley, the single star, but I'm starting to get behind it as he gets a victory again, uh, gets another victory, and this time over a very uh, formidable opponent in Dijak. Yeah, I, I feel like they're using the old school Rey Mysterio formula with him. Like he's just going to be the giant killer, where like you don't expect him to win. Um, Love that Tony D'Angelo and, and Dimes got involved as well because that played off that storyline building into, which gave him a little bit of a way to overcome the obstacles I, I really enjoyed this match I, I thought it was fun um, I did get burnt out on the near falls I think that's going to be like a trend throughout the entire show was there's maybe a little bit too many near falls um, because then when you like you always got to have a better finish than what your near falls are and sometimes I don't think we get that and I don't know if I'm a big fan of the handspring bicycle kick as a finisher um, you can that, do it can't you I mean, obviously, but not everybody else can. So true. I thought true. that I thought that corkscrew plancha he hit that yeah. needs to be his finisher because that's a fantastic move. So he was using that for a bit, I think. Yeah, but that weird, like I said, that bicycle, that handspring bicycle kick, like it's just really hard to set that up and to hit it against a big guy if you don't have the outside stuff happening. It is kind of hard to be as, as a believable finish. Like just looking on paper, like the corkscrew thing looked way more vicious than the handspring. So the corkscrew should be your finisher. So. Uh, but overall, I, I really enjoyed the match, and then plus I'm a little biased because you know I know Wes and he's a great kid, so I, I'm love I, I love seeing him be successful. Uh, next match is Fallon Henley and Kiana James defeating Katana Chance and Kaden Carter to become the new NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. We both had Fallon Henley and Kiana James getting the victory. Match was okay. The cheated finish makes sense for the storyline where babyface and heel start tagging. Uh, the long play in this storyline will be interesting to see if any anyone turns heel or if they also split Briggs and Jensen in the process too. Um, thoughts on this one, Doctor Trey? The NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match. Um, 
Caden and Katana, if you keep them together, could be the Rock and Roll Express of women's tag team wrestling. Like, their double team moves are so good. Like, I, I hadn't really watched them up close in quite a long time since they first really started tagging together. And this match, like, they look fantastic, uh, which I think helped carry Fallon um, and Kiana in this match. Um, I, I, the finish, I like, I love the finish. I love, like, those weird oddball, like, I hate you, you hate me, we don't cheat, but I cheat. I love those teams. So the finish made a lot of sense. Uh, I will say this, like, you mentioned the breakups. Did you notice how how well Brooks was dressed for that match? Like yes. he actually had a blazer on, and I'm like, oh, like all good some story, all good storyline yeah. stuff there. Yeah, and I love that. It just it's just a little subtle thing, you know. There's little subtle things that made me buy into it. I'm like, and and you know, like I'm friends with Brooks on Facebook, and I love that he on Facebook he's he was doing the whole like find Brooks a girlfriend thing for months, and then this whole angle kicked off. I'm like, this could be really really good. So. Um, I'm looking forward to see where it goes, but I mean, if they don't bring Caden, Caden and, K- and Katana up to the main roster at some point for their tag team division, like they're missing out because those girls are fantastic together and and they're best friends. And you and I both love when best friends work together uh, in pro wrestling because it's good as teams and as good as adversaries. They have a great match uh, coming up here this Tuesday on NXT Television as they will be tagging against uh, Katana Chance and uh, Caden Carter. We'll be uh, taking on Roxanne Perez and then returning Miko Sotomora on Tuesday's NXT. Um, next match here is Carmelo Hayes defeating Apollo Crews in a two out of three falls match. Car- I had Carmelo Hayes, Dr. Trey, and Apollo Crews. Uh, I really enjoy watching both these guys in the ring, but this was a weird match. Return of the Commanders Aziz slash Dabakato was strange because his return distracted Apollo Crews in getting the loss. I think Dabakato interfering in attack Apollo, leading to Melo getting the win. Would have been a hell of a lot better than what the, they came up with for that finish. Uh, lost on all of this is Carmelo won two nothing, which we rarely see in these types of matches, uh, and that should be celebrated. But the finish overall was a distracting head scratcher. Your thoughts, Doctor Trace? Carmelo Hayes defeats Apollo Cruz. Yeah, I'm with you. Like uh, the match itself, I thought was was fine. Like the, I, I, watching those guys in the ring is is always a blast. Like Carmelo uh, is fantastic. Apollo's really good. He's come a long way since, you know, his first initial call to the main roster, uh, watching the match. And then the, the finish, I was just like, this is weird. Like for what I love the name Davicato. Like this is gonna be my favorite thing to say in wrestling is Davicato. Um, but to have him come out, bump trick Williams kind of out of the way. And then Apollo's smile comes back, which is one of the things I've always knocked him for the show. And then he loses. It loses two nothing. I was like, "Well, that's weird." Because now we're going to get an Apollo Daba feud. But at this point, going losing to Carmelo two nothing does does this make it a, a feud that we even really want to care about going forward? Like, are we just using Apollo to build Daba Kato up being another monster? So, I wasn't a fan of the of the finish. But you know, the the physicality, the athleticism of those two guys is unparalleled. So, uh, it was a fine match until the wonky weird finish. Next match here is Gallus defeating the New Day pretty deadly in Chase University in a fatal four-way match to win the NXT Tag Team Championship. I had Gallus, I trade pretty deadly. Uh, the rules went out the window for this match and things broke down, but it was a pretty good fatal four-way tag team match uh, overall. I thought all four teams performed pretty well. My only uh, you know thing that I'm stickler on here is, like I said, the rules went out the window uh, for this match and then things really broke down. Dr. Trey, your thoughts here is Gallus is the new tag team champions. Yeah, they went full AEW tag match on this one. They like, did. There's no rules here. Um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed the match. I thought it did exactly what you do, which is basically like New Day kind of shined a light on the new tag team division, and then now New Day's out of the way. Um, Gal is just their physical imposing thing. Like they're, I mean, they're not Doctor Death and Terry Gordy, but you know, you put two big athletic guys together, it's fun to watch. Um, Duke Hudson really impressed me in this match as well. And I don't know about you, I, I love the pacing of the match where early on it was a lot of New Day pretty deadly, and then towards the tail end it was Chase, you and Gallus. Uh, so I loved how they put the match together to shine the light on everybody involved. Uh, although that weird, what we call it a waterfall spot where used to be the guys were hitting their finishers, uh, they did everybody through forearms in a sequence. Like That was odd to me, but overall fine match. Uh, going to be interesting, like who, like obviously we think New Day is going to be gone from NXT. So, does Pretty Deadly turn babyface, or do we move Chase U into that top babyface spot? The challenge Gal is coming out of this. So, 
it'll be kind of interesting to see. I, I, the stuff they did on NXT was pretty deadly looking. Disheveled, I thought was very entertaining as well. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. They're, they're a great freaking tag they team, are. pretty deadly. Um, you, they were, they think- weren't that great on NXT UK, but they've really found their own lately. Pretty Deadly reminds me of what they tried to do with, uh, what was it? That was Parker and Menard, you know, 2.0. Oh, 2.0, like, okay, yeah. That was, like, it feels like when I'm watching Pretty Deadly, like, that's kind of what they wanted those guys to be in NXT, but they couldn't do it. And now, for some reason, they're somewhat better at it in, in AEW. But, I mean, Pretty Deadly, like, those guys just look like, the, like if, if Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty had kids, and they all got a personality. Like they got Sean's personality, and not Marty's. Like that's just what Pretty Deadly reminds me of. They can be serious. They can be funny. Like they're athletic. They, the 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 what they wear to the ring is always eye you know eye catching. Like they feel like if the Rockers had kids, it'd be pretty deadly. Yeah, it's it's um, it's something that's really fun to watch right now. Has been pretty yeah. deadly. One of my favorite things in all of wrestling right now has been pretty deadly. Uh, next match here is Roxanne Perez defeating Gigi Dolan and JC Jane in a triple threat match to retain the NXT Women's Championship. We both had Roxanne Perez. Storyline of the match of Toxic was storyline of the match was Toxic Attraction working together and splitting as the match went on was very predictable. Uh, finishing sequence was pretty good with the table spot and then the super pop pop rocks finisher. And then as we saw on uh, Monday's or excuse me Tuesday's edition of NXT, JC Jane turning on Gigi Dolan. Uh, as toxic attraction is no more, Dodger Trey, your thoughts on this match? It was it was all right, but nothing that I was like, wow, this is amazing. No, it was kind of what I expected: the underdog overcoming the obstacles, um, you know, the the heel team breaking apart to allow the babyface to win. You know, like you said, I can't remember, like the closing sequence. I thought was pretty good. The Super Pop Rocks is pretty cool, uh, and it just it's just another feather in Roxanne's cap. Like if you're trying to build this division around her, she needs wins like this. Um, I'm not a fan of the Toxic Attraction breakup. I feel like they had a plan, the plan fell apart, and they just did this because I, I don't know. Like obviously, JC Jane could be a heel, but I, I think Gigi Dolan could be a good babyface. But really, like if you're trying to build up a tag team division for women on the main roster, like why would you break up Toxic Attraction? It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I don't. I don't like the move there. Right. I mean, I felt like they should have stayed together. Right, Doctor Trey. I mean, it seems strange. Yeah, I mean, and it, and especially like when you have people around the company. Like, I still, I, I'm like, you know, I had said this a few months ago when they fired Mandy Rose. Like, hell, just slide Cora Jade into that spot. You know, and you may have to alter the the look of the group a little bit, but it fits. Like, Cora's a tiny little heel. It'd be good for her to have backup, and vice versa. Like. You know, we had the Chelsea Green rumor that Chelsea Green was going to come in and be the new leader of, you know, Toxic Attraction. And then, you know, I don't know if you saw this, but there's rumblings that, you know, WWE's reached out to Mandy Rose about maybe coming back. And I'm like, well, why would you break up Toxic Attraction unless Mandy's going to bring them all back together? Like, it's just confusing to me. Like, you have a bunch of single stars on the roster you've been trying to build up. Why break up your most accomplished tag team without calling them up to the main roster as that tag team? It It didn't make a lot of sense. Next match here is the main event. Braun Breaker defeating Grayson Waller in a steel cage match to retain the NXT Championship. I Grayson Waller, Dutch trade, Braun Breaker. Uh, match felt flat. The build was really good, and I didn't feel like the match fully delivered. I think Grayson Waller could be one of WWE's best heels if given the opportunity to run with the title. However, it now looks like Braun and Carmelo is the next path, which I'm down with, uh, being a big fan of Carmelo Hayes, but... Um, there's just something about Braun Breaker matches lately, Dr. Trey, that I'm really not feeling. Your thoughts here as Braun Breaker retains? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, with a guy like Braun Breaker, when, when, the, when a big guy is on top, you have to showcase him being vulnerable. And I don't think in this feud or even in previous iterations, you ever felt like Braun was actually vulnerable. Like, I literally think you picked Grayson Waller because you thought Braun was getting called up. You know, it's like... Uh, I, th- yeah. I, think, I thought it was time for Grayson Waller, to be honest with you. My only issue with Grayson Waller is he feels like a Walmart version of Logan Paul in the midst. Like, he, you see all the parts there. It's just that sometimes you, you put, he puts it together, and other times you're like, yeah, just it, it doesn't ever, it hasn't felt like it's always clicked when he's performing. Like, I love the intro. Like, the entrance uh, with, the, the, with the golden shoe and the girls. I'm like, dude, this is, this is like main roster entrance 
But then you watch the match and you're like, I mean, maybe it's the look, maybe it's the boxing trunks. I don't know. There's just something about him where I just feel like it's not a fully developed package yet. Like not all the parts are there. Where like when you watch Carmelo Hayes, you're like, yeah, this is a this is a main roster guy that's just biding his time in NXT. I still feel like Nick Grayson Waller needs some work and some development before he's ready. Yeah, I don't know. Um, he reminds me a little bit more of like Shawn, like Shawn Michaels with attitude, which I think is what they're trying to do right now. Um, I just feel like you've been pushing him lately, only for him to lose in a steel cage match. Like if there's ever a time for Braun to drop the title and do it in a way that could be clean to keep him looking, you know, like a normal dominant champion or dominant wrestler, you do in the steel cage match, and then. You remove the stipulation of the only the where you can't climb out of the cage and win. The only way is by pinfall or submission. But, it just it just seems like you know you want to talk about bad creative. At least from my opinion, that AEW has. I think bad creative is you've been building up Grayson Waller these last couple of months. He gets some serious heel heat reactions. He does not play into the crowd at all. He doesn't do like that uh, cool baby face heel that we see a lot of times now it's very MJF esque. And then you don't pull the trigger and you go in the direction of Carmelo. I think Carmelo versus Grayson Waller as Carmelo as the baby face would have made a lot more sense for NXT heading into stand and deliver than Braun Breaker. who I feel like it's kind of been pushed down our throats a little bit too much lately. And his matches aren't delivering to the way I like to see them as a fan that I, I just think it was time for a change, and I thought Grayson was the right guy for that change right now. Yeah, a couple for me, like, if you had flipped the opponents in the North American title match and the NAC championship match, if you had Breaker and Dijak, I think I'm more in. And if you had done Wes Lee and Grayson Waller, like, I think those are the stepping stones those guys need to be I think Grayson needs a North American title run. Fair. And then move up. Or Dijak, I mean, Dijak was on the main roster for damn near over a year. Like, even though you repackaged him, people still know who the heck he is. And they remember him from his previous AC run. Like, those matches would have been, uh, to me, a little bit better booking creative-wise. The other thing is, can we get one set of damn steel cage rules? Because I literally watched two steel cage matches in three days, and the rules are completely different in those matches. I'm like, can we just... Are we climbing out? Are we just doing pinfalls and submissions? What are we doing? Just At some point, can we just have somebody step in and be like every steel cage match you can win by this this or this or this and this like that's it like i don't like having different rules for the same damn match it makes no sense to me yep and it's annoying it certainly is annoying that's some bad creative there um all right pay-per-view prediction records i went four and two dr trey went three and three i'm nine and two in the year dr trey is six and five um match of the night and event rating uh my event rating i gave vengeance day a 3.1 um, I just thought it was like a solid show overall, but nothing that I was would go back and rewatch again. And then my match of the night was the uh, Fatal 4-Way Tag Team match with Gallus, New Day, Pretty Deadly, and Chase U. Dr. Trey, what was your event rating and match of the night? I was at a 2.9. Like, I thought it was average. You know, it was right there. Um, for an, which for an NXT show is kind of a, a letdown, and that might have been why my scores were a little lower. My match of the night, I gave it to Wesley and Dijak just because Dijak broke his finger and it looked funky and weird as hell. So, um, But I also, like I said, I'm biased towards Wesley. So I gave it to Wesley and Dijak for their match. So, all right. Uh, so feel free to chime in at SRTU Podcast on Twitter or on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Still Realtor Show. Uh, with that said, let's wrap up this week's edition of the show. Let's get a couple plugs and sponsors out of the way. You can download the show every Thursday at realguyradio.com. Russell Chatnet on Twitter and the Still Realtor Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us climb the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff and for Dr. Trey Franklin at The Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? Well, like Jeff said, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, Elon Musk still allows it, so find me there at Dr. Trey Franklin, or no, at The Dr. Trey. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, though. Trey Franklin, search it out. I'm there. I have pictures. Uh, you should also check out Rocket State Championship Wrestling. We just had a really big show uh, last Saturday. A lot of fun. I was out there. Got to be on commentary. So check out the video. Check out my commentary. If I suck, tell me I suck. If I'm good, <laughs> tell me I'm good. Whatever it is, I like feedback. I, I, I'm a mark for myself. I'll wear my own damn wrestling shirt and shows. Who cares? 
but go check it out uh, facebook.com slash rocket state championship wrestling alright so there you go support all the great things at support SRTU uh, and then we will be back next week and we will be previewing and predicting WWE Elimination Chamber on February the 16th uh, for episode number 679 so with that said thank you for downloading thank you for making us part of your week spread the word about SRTU uh, and until next week for Dr. Trey Franklin I'm Jeff Peck this is The Silver Show. Walking home Pulls it off Wearing alligator shoes Yeah, better beware It's a jungle in there Ladies and gentlemen Welcome to the ring, Mr. Rick Flair I'll enlighten you to A little known fact Whenever it goes Well, it's always be flat Actually, see shopper who's checking through He even knows where the hippest knows at had a snake all of the warrior had paint on his face Hacksaw Jim Duggan had a two by four but with style like this man you don't need no more got a lot of friends I got a lot of foes they be quicker than the boost when I be bouncing up the ropes lots of people talking fewer than no Struck by lightning Only drives the finest cars And dies the finest dining People try to synthesize Don't matter which country 